This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. We are glad you're spending some time with us this morning. Um, I, I am a very cranky, cranky host this morning. I I uh, watch the Red Sox, of course, uh, all the time, as, as you all well know by now. Um, but I am... Uh, uh, I am uh, kind of beside myself about the way that the season is, go- is going. And and the question really for me at this point, we already know this team is a train wreck. And, and you know, can they fix it? Of course they can. The, the question to me is, is that who is really responsible for the mess that is the first month of the season for the Boston Red Sox. Now, look, the season's not over, right? I mean, there is plenty of time left in the season to fix things. I don't, you know, the question is, is is it fixable? And do the Red Sox even recognize that what's going on is a problem? You know, that's my question, is is I'm concerned that, that, Alex Cora and Hein Bloom are looking at this going, well, we just have some guys that are in a slump right now, and we're going to be okay. You know, it's, it's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. And there is no doubt that they have guys that aren't doing anything. However, look, you traded Hunter Renfro, a guy who was great in the outfield for you last year, for Dr- Jackie Bradley Jr., and, and you can say defensively, it's a wash. I mean, you know, Bradley's a better outfielder than, than Hunter Renfro, but he can't hit. At least Hunter Renfro put the bat on the ball last year. Jackie Bradley Jr. hit like 160 for the Milwaukee Brewers last year. But somehow you thought it was a good idea to bring Jackie back. And I know, you know, they're going to say, well, it was, it's more about the prospects than we got, that we got back in addition to Jackie Bradley than it is about Jackie. All right, well, but that means you're looking at the long-term view. Okay, fine. Then you have J.D. Davis, uh, I mean, Jalen Davis, a guy that they just brought up. This is, this is what's happened to the outfield. Because you've got Jackie and you've got Kike Hernandez out there and you've got Alex Verdugo, you were playing Christian Arroyo in right field a guy who'd never played the outfield in Major League Baseball in his life. He gets banged up a little bit. Now you got to have Jalen Davis out there, a guy you picked up off the scrap heap from the San Francisco Giants. The outfield should not be an issue for this team. But they, they continue to watch guys go by in free agency, didn't make any moves. 
you didn't give yourself any kind of a safety net at first base. Look, you knew Bobby Dahlbeck. Look, he finished the season out great last year, right? I mean, he was hotter than a pistol. He actually carried that team for a while, helped get them into the playoffs. And the Red Sox, I'm sure, hoped that he was going to be the answer this year. That whatever it was that his problem was last year, he had it figured out, and he was going to be okay, and he is going to be the answer at first base. Well, guess what? Bobby Dahlbeck is hitting under 200, and he looks bad. It's not even he's not even competitive at, with his most of his at bats. So what do you do? You had Travis Shaw. Travis Shaw couldn't get a hit in like 19 at bats. You finally designate him for assignment, and you bring up Franchi Cordero, another guy who hits the hell out of the pitching in the minor leagues, but can't do squat in the major leagues. And you brought him up for a few games, and, oh, you know, he's had a couple of hits. But, you know, first base shouldn't be an issue. Look, you had you had guys on this roster that got them into the playoffs last year, and instead of trying to re-sign them, guys like Hunter Renfro, well, actually, you didn't have to re-sign him. You had him under control for a few more years. You had Kyle Schwarber who worked hard to learn how to play first base last year, and by the end of the season was okay. And he's a guy that can give you a competitive at-bat every time up. He's a guy who's going to look at pitches. He's a guy that's going to work the count, and he's a guy that's going to be a rock in that lineup. But you chose not to re-sign him. You know, the Red Sox did, you know, what are our big signings? Well, we, geez, we signed Michael Walker. Look, Michael Walker's been great, okay? So I don't want to kill the signing of Michael Walker. He's been great so far. You know, Chris Sale gets hurt, and, you know, so now we've got Evaldi at the top of the line. He's been in top of the rotation. He's been great. Nick Pavetta, not so much. You know, everybody keeps talking about, well, and they, they, they talked yesterday, well, his stuff was better. You know what? He got his ass kicked. You know, they left him in the game. He was pitching pretty well, and then he gave up like four straight hits in the fifth inning. Struck out five. Didn't walk anybody. Great. But you still, you're losing, you're losing the game when you leave. He didn't pitch that well. And the bullpen, don't get me started on the bullpen. The bullpen was a mess last year. The bullpen's a bigger mess this year. So, so there's a few things here. This team was flawed before the season started. There's no other way to put it. This team was not the way it should have been before the year ever started. That rests squarely on the shoulders of Heimblum. Period. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Because he chose to sit back and just watch guys sign. Look, you didn't have to trade for – if you're looking at the long-term view and you're telling me these two prospects you got are can't-miss guys. But they weren't even in the – you know, these guys that they signed, it wasn't like they were top ten uh, in Major League Baseball's uh, uh, ranking of uh, minor leaguers and prospects. All right? You know – you're hoping they turn out to be something. In the meantime, you got rid of an established piece, a guy who was a big part of that lineup last year to bring back a guy who hit 160. Now, don't get me wrong. 
I love Jackie Bradley Jr. as a person. I love him as a defender. But he is perhaps the streakiest hitter I have ever seen on a Red Sox team. You know, this is a guy that, you know, he might get hot in July and, you know, tear the cover off the ball and hit 300 for a month or a month and a half. But the rest of the time, he's going to hit 150. You know, you look at that Red Sox lineup and you look at these batting averages, you're going, oh, my God, Kike Hernandez is hitting under 200. Now, we know what Kike did in, you know, uh, in, in the playoffs last year, and he was solid at the top of the lineup last year and yada, yada, yada. But, look, Kike Hernandez was a part-time player for the Los Angeles Dodgers for a reason. You know, uh, look, he was very good for the Red Sox last year. I'm not trying to kill Kike here, but, you know, again, you know, you're counting on him as being your, you know, a top-of-the-lineup guy. He's, he can't get on base. He's dropped a sixth in the lineup. He's hitting 195, folks. You got Trevor Story hitting leadoff. Trevor Story hitting 217. He was your big free agent signing. You know, and I love what he's done defensively. He's been great, and he's made the entire – infield off uh, defense better because of his range now at second base. He's a career shortstop, but he's moved over to second base. Because of his range, he's allowed Xander Bogarts and Rafi Devers to both cheat and not have to cover as much ground because Trevor Story can make up that ground. So he has made Bogarts and Devers better defenders simply by being there. So I'm not going to kill that. you know. But here's the thing. You didn't get him just for his defense. You expected him to hit the ball a little bit. And maybe he will. But when you look at his career outside of Coors Field, when he was playing for Colorado, he was a great home hitter. But when you look what he did outside of Coors Field, you know, he's like a 240 hitter away from Coors Field. And so, you know, what are the Red Sox getting here? Are they going to get the Trevor Story offensively that was, you know, a powerhouse in Colorado? Or are we going to get the 230-240 hitter outside of Coors Field? I love his defense. But, Jesus, somebody's got to hit the ball. Thank God, if it weren't for Devers and Bogarts, this team wouldn't score any runs at all, and they're barely scoring them now. You know, J.D. Martinez came back yesterday, was 3-for-5. Thank You know, thank God he's back. But the rest of this team has got to hit. But, again, whose fault is this? And I I want to blame Bloom. I do, because this team was flawed. This team that, that uh, you know, was, uh, you know, you got guys like Jonathan Arauz in your, your opening day lineup or on the, even on the roster. And you got to play Christian Arroyo in the outfield. I'm sorry, but that's unacceptable. And when you take a look at this rotation, I expected the Red Sox to make some moves to make this rotation better. Now, Michael Michael Walker has been pretty good. I'll give you that. I don't know whether he can sustain that. He hasn't been any good since 2018. You know, so this may just be a stretch of, you know, he's playing well right now. I hope I'm wrong. I hope this guy is, is you know, is, is founded again and he is going to... Uh, have a great year for Boston. But, you know, you look at that, that's your big signing. And James Paxton, who's recovering from Tommy John surgery, and yes, maybe he'll be back in June or July. And, you know, if, if Chris Sale comes back in June or July, all of a sudden this rotation looks different. 
But James Paxton's coming off of Tommy John surgery. Chris Sale is coming off of Tommy John surgery and a broken rib. You know, so these guys are going to come back. What are they going to do? Pitch three or four innings? And here we go again with the with the bullpen, and you're going to wear this bullpen out, and there's going to be nobody left. You know, so I want to blame Hein Bloom for part of it. But I have gotten really, really angry at the way Alex Cora has worked this pitching staff. And, you know, it's easy for, you know, me to say, and you can say, you know, look, dude, you've never played in the major leagues, and, you know, what do you know? And, look, I know this. If a guy is pitching a game like Nathan Avaldi did a week or ten days ago, and he's gotten you through seven innings, and he's thrown barely 70 pitches, why in the hell are you taking him out? Right, you take him out of a game, he's winning. You bring in the bullpen, they implode, and the Red Sox lose the game. Michael Walker the other day is throwing great. He's got four, like what, four shutout innings. And he's thrown like 50 pitches. And you take him out of the game to bring Tanner Houck in. What are we doing? Because then you bring Tanner Houck in, then you got to bring in Jake Diekman, then you got to bring in Hansel Robles, you got to bring in Matt Barnes. Before you know it, you've used like six picture, pitchers in a game that your starter threw BBs for four innings. You know, the Red Sox had to use four pitchers after Nathan Avaldi in that seven inning game. They ended up losing the game. That's on Alex Cora and the eggheads upstairs. The only question I have is, is is Alex Cora doing this because this is what he believes, or is he being told this by the moron eggheads up in the front office that analytics say you got to get him out? Analytics say he's good for four innings. I'm tired of this crap. You know, and, and then Major League Baseball bails the Red Sox and every other team in baseball out. You know, the, the plan was is that they weren't going to be allowed to carry 14 pitchers past May 1st. Well, of course, now they've extended that because we're worried about the health of our pitchers. Bull crap. You're worried about because you're getting whining from all the front offices. Wait, 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 our analytics say we need all these pitchers. You know what? Cut the – Jesus. You know, the Red Sox, you can look at the losses that they have had, some of them, and how many – I think they've lost like seven or eight games in, in their final at bat or in the final inning because their bullpen can't hold anything. And why can't they hold anything? Because you're using them every damn day. you got to keep running guys out every day. And the best guys you have in your bullpen – and by the way, these guys aren't striking fear in anybody's hearts – are like Jake Diekman and Hansel Robles and I guess – uh, Matt Barnes, yeah. but you know, you use those guys in the game. Now you got to give them a day off and you got to throw out Larry Moe and Curly. We got to see Phillips Valdez. You know, we got to see guys that, like Ryan Brazier who, I mean, look, he pitched a scoreless inning. Yes. Was it yesterday? The day before? Congratulations. He's been like, a, a, like a damn pitching machine. But when you continue to use guys every day and then you have to go to guys that are what I would call suboptimal appearances, what the hell do you expect? So who is this? Is that Alex Cora's fault? 
Is that the front office's fault? You know, there's plenty of blame to go around, but I know this. It's unacceptable. And look, before the season started, I said the Red Sox were going to be a fourth-place team. I, I, I really, with the moves that everybody else in that division made, I didn't expect the Red Sox to be in the top three. I don't expect them to make the playoffs. But I didn't expect them to be embarrassing. And when you go to Baltimore, a team that has lost over 100 games, and you look at that lineup and you say, how in the hell did you lose two out of three to the Orioles? It's unacceptable. It's not like you went and played the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Houston Astros. It's unacceptable. And I'm not going to be one of these, you know, you go on social media, you go on Twitter, and it's like, you know, fire Cora, fire Cora. I, I'm, not, I'm not advocating that Alex Cora needs to get fired. But I think there needs to be, uh, we have to get to a point where we stop playing baseball by numbers. And that's what they're doing. And, and what do I mean by that? I mean, I want to stop with the analytics stuff. Look, there is some analytics stuff that is is helpful. I'll give you that. But I'm tired of, well, we can't have a guy see the 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 uh, you know, the lineup the third time through or, you know, seven innings, you know, you got if look, if a guy has pitched seven innings and he's thrown 70 pitches, put him back out in the damn game when he's dominating like like Nathan Avaldi was. When you've got a guy that's thrown four innings and thrown 50 pitches, why are you taking him out of the game? And you look at the face of Rich, uh, of Rich Hill, and you look at the face of, uh, uh, of Michael Walker and guys like that that go into games. And I think it was Rich Hill. I, I think I said it was Michael Walker the other day that pitched four and they took him out. Uh, I think it was actually Rich Hill. And they decided that, you know, Alex Corr was like, well, because they're going to load up on righties and then we're going to bring in Tanner Houck we're really going to screw him up. Well, that worked out well, didn't it? But when you look at the faces of these starting pitchers that are absolutely dominating games, and then Alex Cora comes out and takes the baseball from them, you can see in their face, you, you know what they want to say? F you. What's the matter with you? I would have loved, you know, and I don't want, I don't, again, try, not trying to be the get off my lawn guy. But I, I would have loved to have seen somebody try to take the baseball from Roger Clemens. When you've thrown seven shutout innings, you know, or come to take the ball away from uh, Catfish Hunter or uh, Bob Gibson or somebody like that after I've thrown five shutout innings because the, the eggheads upstairs say you shouldn't you shouldn't pitch anymore. Good luck. And I've been an advocate, by the way, talking about the bullpen, because one of the guys, one of the big arms they lost out of their bullpen, obviously, is Garrett Whitlock because they've put him into the rotation with the injuries and, and the the uh, the unvaccinated status of Tanner Houck. Let's not get me started on that because that just that's another thing. You know, you have to put some of what's gone on here on Tanner Houck. Because you had to take Garrett Whitlock and put him into the uh, the rotation because Tanner Houck was selfish and didn't want to get a vaccination, so Houck's got to start. I mean, uh, Whitlock's got to start. The, the, you know what? There's a piece of it, you know, that has to rest on Tanner Houck too. But we have got to get away from everything by the numbers. It doesn't it, – look, the numbers – people will say numbers don't lie. Baloney. You know, it's one of the things that, that, that people that 
never played sports of any kind don't understand. There are such things as momentum. There is such a thing as a guy's just got it that day. And I don't care what the numbers say. There are times you have to look at the numbers and the book and you have to throw the book away and just say, I'm going to let this guy roll with it. You have to. It's not like Nathan Avaldi had thrown 110 pitches after seven innings. Leave him in a damn game. And it's not like Rich Hill or Michael Walker are coming off of huge injuries where we got to baby him and let him only throw 50 pitches. Let him throw the damn ball if they're having success. Stop it. Throw the book away. I'm tired of this. So, yeah, there is blame to go around. At the end of the day, or at the beginning of the day, this is on Bloom for a flawed roster. But on the other end of it, there is plenty of blame to go around for the way that Alex Cora has managed this team. And, I, and I'm not talking, look, I'm not talking about giving guys days off and stuff. I'm talking about the way he has managed this pitching staff. I saw a post by somebody the other day, and he said that perhaps one of the worst things that ever happened was Alex Cora in his first year with the Red Sox winning a hundred and uh, you know winning a World Series and winning 108 games because now Alex Alex Cora is like you know it's almost like he thinks he can't do anything wrong, and what you know what he did one year now it you know it's going to automatically work. it's not it doesn't work that way. And I'm not saying Alex Cora needs to be fired, and I'm not saying he's an awful manager, but I am saying that he is mismanaging this pitching staff, period. He is mismanaging this pitching staff. And maybe things get better when, when Sale comes back and when James Paxton's ready to pitch, and, you know, maybe, 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 maybe. And I'm not convinced Tanner Houck is, you know, any better than a fifth starter in Major League Baseball. I don't, you know, look, he's got that great slider, but he can't throw the damn thing for a strike. You know, the other day, uh, I can't remember who it was. It was a, uh, one of the writers for the Boston Globe said a great performance by Tanner Houck out of the bullpen. Let's, you know, Tanner Houck's performance out of the bullpen, I think he pitched two or three innings and he allowed five guys to get on base. Yeah, he didn't give up any runs, but guys were all over the base pass. That's not a great performance by Tanner Houck. And the problem with Tanner Houck is he walks too many damn guys. But you look up and down this lineup right now and you look at the batting averages for this team and, and it's just it's sickening. And it's not just the batting averages. It's the fact that guys... They are one of the worst teams. I think they're the next to worst team in Major League Baseball hitting with runners in scoring position. It's gross. And why is that? And some and this is where some of the blame comes on the players. Take a damn pitch. You know, you look at yesterday's game, the Red Sox had chance after chance after chance. Right? In the third inning, you know, they J.D. Martinez gets a two-out hit. They walk Franchi Cordero. They hit Kike Hernandez. The bases are loaded. Two outs. Jackie Bradley Jr.'s up. What does Jackie do? He swings at the first friggin' pitch and grounds out a little number to first base. After the pitcher has walked a guy and we've hit a guy, 
Instead of Jackie Bradley going up and taking a pitch, work the count a little bit, see if he can make this guy throw a strike, he swings at the first friggin' pitch. The same thing happens in the fourth inning. They got a couple of guys on. Rafi Devers comes up, swings at the first pitch, grounds into a double play inning over. You know, I miss the days when the Red Sox had guys that could work the count. <clears throat> They're up there hacking at everything. This is where the Red Sox really miss a guy like Kyle Schwarber who would work the count. But my God in heaven, this is absolutely brutal. It started with Bloom. It's continued with Alex Cora mismanaging this pitching staff. And I don't, I'll, I'll die on that hill. He is mismanaging this pitching staff. Now, whether he's doing it on his own or whether it's because the idiots upstairs are telling him the way he's got to do things and he's following a script that he's been told to follow, I don't know. But I do know that there are just times where the the numbers don't matter. You have to be able to read the game. And you would think Alex Cora, a guy who played in Major League Baseball for as long as he did, could read the game and could read when his pitcher is nails. And you need to leave him in. But no. Absolutely brutal. Just brutal. So bad, by the way, we got a million pitchers on a pitching staff. Kevin Ploiecki pitches yesterday, you know, down 9-1. to By the way, that should be outlawed. With the number of pitchers that the teams carry now, position players shouldn't be allowed to pitch. And we're, we've seen it several times already this year. It's baloney. So uh, it's just, I mean, but uh, thank God for Nate Evaldi. Nate Evaldi has given the Red Sox a chance to win every damn time he goes out there. And the, uh, the combination of the eggheads and Alex Cora keeps screwing it up. But it is going to be a long, long year. Uh, you know, look, and again, I, I, I figured on fourth place, but I figured on at least being competitive. They haven't been able to win a series against a team in the American League East. Now, they don't see another American League East team. Uh, I think they have, like, in their next, like, 40 games, they've only got, like, three or four games against somebody in their own division. So maybe they can feast on the other divisions, but I wouldn't spend a lot of time uh, counting on that either. But they are right now, they are a half a game ahead of the Baltimore Orioles, a team that has lost 100 games for the last three years in a row. The Red Sox are a half a game ahead of them in the standings. That's how bad it's gotten. I mean, I'm going to watch them play the Atlanta Braves next week. Boy, I can hardly wait for that. Next Tuesday, my wife and I go to see the Red Sox play down at, uh, at Truist Park down in Atlanta. Now Atlanta's struggling as well. Atlanta's under five hundred. Team that just won the World Series. They're they're in fourth place. Could be a dumb off. And they just lost a series to the Texas Rangers for God's sake. But something's got to change in Boston. And, and you know the problem at this point is is that if you're Hein Bloom, you've made your bed. This line, this roster is what it is. So unless you're going to make some kind of wild trade and and trade a bunch of guys from the minor leagues, this is what we got. And the people that are saying, well, we need to bring Tristan Cassis up and we need to, you know, we need to bring him up right now. No, we don't. Tristan Cassis is hitting about 220 down in, in uh, AAA. He's struggling. He needs to be left alone. Let's not, you know, push the panic button and rush him up here. 
you know. And if it means we got to swallow it this year, and you know we're not making the playoffs, and and Tristan Cassis, you know, gets a full year in AAA, and he's ready to go for next year, I'm okay with that. But what I'm not okay with is watching this team be mishandled and mismanaged, and that's what we've seen so far, especially when it comes to the pitching staff. I think, look, I think that the hitting will will correct itself for the most part. You know, I think that Trevor Story will hit a little bit more. I think we'll we'll start to see more out of some of these uh, Red Sox batters. I think Kike Hernandez is going to pick it up. I don't know about Jackie Bradley, but <laughs> I'm not sure what's what's left in Jackie. But you know, Christian Arroyo is going to hit. You know, I think they'll get enough offense. But man. If they continue to mismanage this pitching staff and continue to run these relievers out there night after night after night so that they have nothing left come July, and that's very possible. You know, a lot of the problems that we're, ha- we're seeing with Matt Barnes might be because he's been overused the last couple of years. And guess who the manager's been? You know, so you start looking at that stuff and you go, you know, you, know, you really begin to wonder if Alex Cora understands that you can't keep going to the bullpen well every night and get away with it. Because not for nothing, well, if you want to do that, fine, but your general manager better have loaded your bullpen with some quality arms. And the Red Sox bullpen is not full of quality arms. It is full of a couple of decent arms and a bunch of mediocre arms. Now, if you want to put Garrett Whitlock out there, that's a great arm if you want to take him out of the rotation. But the rest of that bullpen is mediocre. Mediocre. Rant over. 35 minutes past the hour. We've got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 37 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. <laughs> Dave Massey checks in and he says, Red Sox are painful to watch. And uh, Yeah, you know what? It's so bad that I've gotten to a point now you can just kind of tell the way things are going in some games. Yesterday was a perfect example. I got up and I went outside and just went out to work in my garden. I needed... I needed some zen. I needed to, I mean, I was getting worked up, and I didn't even turn the game on the headphones on my uh, uh, to listen to while I was working in the garden. I just walked away because I saw the way that game was going after about the fourth or fifth inning, and I was just like, they're going to lose this game. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, and then, you know, I just, I come back later and saw that it's been delayed for a long time, and then I see the game restarts, and they're 9-1. to one. I'm just, I was like, thank God. You know, I mean, I got angry enough just seeing the score. I was like, thank God I didn't watch this because I might have exploded. Uh, so I just went outside and worked. And, I, and I've done that a few times this year. And that's very unusual for me. That's how bad it's been. That's how bad it's been. Speaking of Zen, uh, I don't know if you can hear it in the background, but occasionally you may hear some, some strange noises on the show. I have chickens in my office. Uh, well, let me cl- clarify. I have uh, chicks in my office. My wife and I, uh, we decided we wanted to get some chickens down here. Uh, some to, to lay eggs. And so we have uh, four baby chicks that we picked up over the weekend. They're only about a week and a half old. Uh, and we're raising them in my office in a, um, a cat carrier under a heat lamp. Uh, we have to keep the door closed because we have three cats. So <laughs> we don't want them becoming the cat toys. Uh, so we have them locked up in the office and, uh, we're going to raise them in my office for about six weeks till they're big enough. And then we're going to take them out to the, uh, the coop that I built with uh, the chicken run around the garden. And, uh, so, I'm going to need that zen the way things are going uh, with the Red Sox, that's for sure. And, and on the other – look, on the other side of this, it, it, what makes it worse is to see what the New York Yankees have been doing. The Yankees won their ninth game in a row yesterday. 
nine straight wins. Aaron Judge uh, uh, hit uh, a couple of balls that uh, may still be going. Uh, he's hitting 300. I think he's got eight home runs already this season. He's hitting like in five straight games. Uh, DJ LeMayhew seems to have found his bat again this year. Uh, Aaron Hicks is hitting the ball. That's a, you know, uh, Isaiah kind of Falefa. Everybody was laughing about them getting him, uh, to play shortstop. Guess what? Guy's hitting 300. Uh, catching still a problem. Higashioka is better defensively. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's hitting 136. Anthony Rizzo has been great. Uh, Joey Gallo has struggled a little bit. John Carlos Stanton uh, struggling a little bit as well. But look, <laughs> this Yankee team is ridiculous. Uh, Larry Severino didn't pitch very well yesterday, but uh, uh, Aaron Judge bailed him out, and uh, Clark Schmidt gets the win in relief. Uh, Rollis Chapman picked up his sixth save. He looks like uh, vintage Chapman, and so it, it just makes it so much harder to watch when they're playing so well. And then there's the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, I mean, the Yankees, look, the Yankees are 16-6 and six right now. They're in first place in the division. They got a, a series, a three-game series starting tonight with the Toronto Blue Jays. I can't wait for this. Uh, the Blue Jays uh, win yesterday uh, against the Houston Astros, 3-2. to two. The uh, Blue Jays have won nine of the last 12. Uh, they took two of three in this series. They won four of six from the Houston Astros in the season series. They're already done seeing them for the year. Uh, Kevin Gaussman yesterday, seven innings, 10 strikeouts, didn't walk anybody. And, you know, you look at a guy like Kevin Gaussman. He was a free agent, sat there for a long time. Toronto finally signs him. But you look at it and you're going, if you're Boston, this is a guy you could have had. You could have had him. But what the Red Sox did prior to the lockout, that's when they went out and spent money on Rich Hill and they spent money on uh, Michael Walker and they figured, well, that was going to be, you know, our rotation. You know, we were going to have Walker and Hill and Chris Sale and Nate Evaldi and Nick Pavetta and we were good to go. And so, you know, but you could have had Kevin Gaussman. Kevin Gaussman, ladies and gentlemen, is the first pitcher since Cy Young in 1906 to not walk a batter or allow a home run in five straight starts to begin a season. Minimum of 20 innings pitch. First guy since Cy Young in 1906 to not allow a walk or a home run in five straight starts to start this evening. Kevin Gaussman, ladies and gentlemen, uh, who resurrected his career with the San Francisco Giants. This year, in his uh, five starts, has pitched to a 2-2-7 ERA, has struck out 41 guys in 32 innings. You know, and last year with the San Francisco Giants, in 33 starts, had a 2.81 ERA. Only 150 hits to 192 innings pitch. Won 14 games. But the Red Sox could have had them, but nope. Nope. You know, and then you, you put that on top of the way George Springer has started his season. George Springer, they've got going to get a full year out of him. He's hitting the crap out of the ball. Had a couple of home runs on Saturday. Yesterday made a great defensive play to save the game. Bo Bichette has struggled a little bit to start the season, but had a two-run home run yesterday. Uh, but this lineup is loaded. Loaded. And the kid in the back end, Romano, holy crap, 11 saves already 
They've got 15 wins, and Romano has saved 11 of them. So they will face off tonight with the New York Yankees. Ross Stripling uh, doesn't have a decision yet, but he has, he's pitched to a 3-6-0 ERA. Uh, he goes against uh, Jordan Montgomery. Um, man, that's going to be fun. Uh, games are in uh, in Toronto. Uh, man, you know, and that's that's what the Red Sox are facing. Now, you know, fortunately for the Red Sox, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays uh, struggled a little bit against the Minnesota Twins over the weekend. The Rays are actually in third place. They've lost uh, a couple in a row, but they're 12-10. and 10. The Red Sox are three and a half games behind the Rays. Holy crap. Uh, but uh, Josh Fleming got the start for the Rays yesterday uh, and uh, gave up five runs on four hits. Byron Buxton with a home run yesterday. Jorge Polanco, four runs batted in. Um, and again, you know, this twin staff, Josh Wilder, gets the win yesterday. Gr- was great. Six shutout innings. Everybody's like, who the hell is he? They end up beating the Rays 9 3. Uh, Cubs get a great performance from Marcus Stroman yesterday. Seven shutout innings. Boy, it'd be nice if the Red Sox could allow their guys to go seven. No, God. Other than Nate Evaldi, they're not letting anybody go that far. Uh, the Cubs beat the Brewers yesterday 2-0. Um, the Mariners, uh, beat Miami. Miami had actually won seven in a row going into that game. Uh, but J.P. Crawford, a three-run shot in the sixth, uh, early home run, then a three-run shot from uh, Julio Rodriguez, his first uh, major league home run, and the Mar- Mariners beat the Marlins yesterday, seven to three. Uh, the Padres win again; they beat the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates yesterday, five to two. You know the interesting thing in this one for the Padres, um, and they're currently at fifteen and eight; they're uh, basically tied in the standings with the Dodgers. Uh, Musgrove's a guy that's going to be a free agent at the end of this season, and uh, uh, they had some talks about an extension and. Uh, I guess the Padres and Musgrove are nowhere close. You know, so what does Musgrove do? I mean, look, all he's going to do is keep uh, – is this guy, by the way, he's got the only no-hitter in Padre history. Uh, yesterday, uh, goes seven innings. Struck out eight. He only allowed one run. And uh, they beat the Pirates. I know it's the Pirates, but Musgrove has pitched very, very well. And every time he goes out there – and does what he's been doing, it gets a little bit more expensive if the Padres are going to want to try to lock him up. Uh, I mentioned the fact that uh, the uh, Braves lost again. Uh, they are in fourth place, t- uh, three games under five hundred. Uh, Adolis Garcia with a three-hit, four-RBI day. Uh, he had a big triple in the third inning. Uh, this game was over before it even began, uh, and uh, the Rangers beat the Atlanta Braves yesterday 7-3. to Walker Bueller yesterday. Uh, Walker Bueller shuts out Detroit for five innings. Uh, they had a 6 nothing lead after six, so they pulled him out, went to the bullpen. Uh, they beat the Tigers 6-3. Uh, of note for the Tigers, Miguel Cabrera, uh, first homer in forever, uh, his 503rd career home run. Um, and uh, But the Dodgers win this one 6-3. Uh, the Giants lost yesterday. They kind of uh, been cooled off a little bit. And the Oakland Athletics continue to stink. <laughs> They've lost six of the last eight. Uh, they're so bad that the Cleveland Guardians swept them. Uh, Guardians uh, take advantage of it. They're actually uh, uh, two games under 500 in second place in the AL Central. The Central is just hideous. Uh, but uh, Tristan McKenzie, 
pitched shutout baseball into the seventh. He struck out seven, and uh, they just uh, they take care of the A's. They sweep the series. Uh, but the AL Central, uh, Minnesota Twins in first place at 13-9. and nine. Uh, A guy in the hot seat? How about Tony La Russa? How about the Chicago White Sox have lost eight of the last ten? Eight of the last ten. They get beat yesterday by the uh, uh, Anaheim Angels, 6-5. Mike Trout with a homer. Uh, Shohei Otani with an RBI as well. I had to leave the game with some groin tightness, but they think he's going to be okay to play tonight. Uh, they're actually coming into Fenway uh, for a three-game series starting on Tuesday. I mean, Red Sox fans would not be sad if that groin hurt a little bit and Shohei Otani couldn't play. Uh, but you have to think that perhaps Tony La Russa could be in trouble. 8-13, and 13, losers of 8 of 10. This is a team that everybody thought was going to run away um, with that AL Central. And it uh, looks like the Minnesota Twins, who have won uh, – uh, nine of the last ten have said not so fast. I mean, think about that. Minnesota got off to a four and eight start. Nine and one since then. Forty nine minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is fifty one minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. Just a few minutes left this morning. Uh, one of the note about the games from last night: the uh, Mets beat the Phillies. Max Scherzer. Uh, was not great last night. Um, he struck out four of the uh, for the first five batters he faced, uh, but uh, he gave up a couple of home runs in the game. Kyle Schwarber uh, hit one, and uh, Bryce Harper had one as well. But uh, uh, he still uh, picks up the victory as the Mets roll in this one, ten to six, uh, uh, on uh, Sunday night baseball on ESPN. Which, by the way, a lot more enjoyable to listen to without having to listen to Matt Vaskersian and A Rod. I can't tell you how much nicer it is. But the New York Mets now sixteen and seven. Seven of ten they have won, and uh, they have a three-game lead in the NL East. It's very early, um, but the Philadelphia Phillies have struggled against the Mets uh, early in the season. They've got another three-game series coming up next week. Um, But uh, the Mets looking like the real deal uh, without question. Uh, They will host the Atlanta Braves on Monday night, and uh, the Braves looking to get things on track, but uh, they're going to have their hands full. Uh, One other note from Major League Baseball you probably saw um, at the end of last week, Trevor Bauer was given a two-year suspension by Major League Baseball um, under their uh, domestic violence uh, policy. It is the longest suspension ever handed out by Major League Baseball under these guidelines. Uh, the previous high one, I think, was 162 games for Sam Dyson. Uh, so he is effectively, and there's no uh, retroactive time, so he will not be eligible to return until the 20th game of the 2024 season. Uh, and by then, he will have been, uh, well, he will have reached 33 years of age, and he will not have pitched in a game in Major League Baseball for three years. This could effectively be the end of Trevor Bauer's career. Even if somebody wanted or thought about it, would a team be willing to take the PR hit that they would suffer by uh, signing Trevor Bauer? Look, there's no doubt Trevor Bauer is a talented pitcher. And the prosecutors in Los Angeles declined to bring criminal charges against him with the uh, the uh, 
charges by the woman that said that, uh, uh, well, I'm not going to get into the details, but basically that it was it was rough sex. And uh, she said he went above and beyond what they had agreed to. And um, then a word has come out about another woman in Columbus, Ohio, who met him when he was playing for the Columbus Clippers when he was younger. And the details of what she's come out with are very, very similar. Um, so I don't think any team is going to want to touch him with a 10-foot pole. So this may be the last we have heard of Trevor Bauer. Well, not the last, because he's already said that he is going to appeal this. Uh, and uh, under the uh, uh, the rules, that it will go to an arbiter. And uh, there is a chance that the length of the suspension will be reduced. And by the way, it's unpaid, so it will go through the rest of his contract with the Dodgers, which lets them off the hook for $30-plus million a year. Um, so we'll see. I think that, uh, I mean, the suspension is going to be upheld. The only question is, is whether they will reduce it all, maybe maybe uh, reduce it to time, you know, or, or allow time served to be part of it or something like that. So maybe he only misses a full season. But, again, I just don't see another team wanting to touch him because of the PR nightmare. So uh, that may be the last we hear of Trevor Bauer, and uh, uh, a lot of people aren't, aren't too sad about that. Uh, Celtics started the playoffs last night. They got uh, beat by the Bucks, 101-89. Uh, look, uh, the Celtics just stunk offensively last night. It wasn't about the defense. This was about the fact that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown combined for 33 points, but they shot 10 for 31. Uh, Celtics shot 33% from the floor. They fired up 53-pointers. And they shot 33% from the field. So this wasn't about the defense. This was just about just terrible offense. And, uh, look, the Bucks are way better uh, than the uh, Brooklyn Nets were. You know, and everybody was you know, ready to crown the Celtics champions because of the way they handled the Nets. Uh, this is not the Nets. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo was unbelievable last night. Triple-double. And uh, Celtics are going to have to figure it out offensively if they're going to stay in this. Uh, last thing I want to get to this morning, uh, probably heard over the weekend, Naomi Judd uh, passed away this weekend, the uh, matriarch of the Judd family. Uh, of course, uh, the Judds, Winona and uh, Naomi, uh, were inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame last night. Naomi committed suicide, uh, at least we're assuming it was suicide. They said that they lost their mother to a mental illness, and she had talked on the Today Show just a few years ago uh, about her thoughts about suicide and that, that she had contemplated it many many times uh and uh uh so you know from all indications she committed suicide uh, the day before she was going to be inducted into the country music hall of fame uh, just before her 33rd wedding anniversary i mean just uh terrible i mean look the, the judge's uh numerous grammys uh hit after hit after hit uh, naomi judd almost died from hepatitis you know she was given three years to live back in the 90s and survived that and uh, lived to be 76 before she committed suicide over the weekend. And uh, I saw the uh, uh, the brief acceptance speech by uh, Naomi and Winona, who both went up last night. Uh, and uh, just uh, your heart breaks. And uh, whether you were a fan of the Judds or not, just the fact that the two daughters were up there 24 hours after their mother committed suicide to have to, uh, in something that was supposed to be a joyous occasion with the Judds being uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame, just... Uh, just heartrending, uh, just brutal. So uh, as we leave you this morning, we're going to remember the Judds. Uh, and uh, here's one by uh, 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 Naomi and Winona, the Judds. It's called uh, Grandpa.
And uh, Naomi Judd passes away at the age of 76. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.